Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site, out in the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500. Or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC. We are professional grade. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. You're listening to the Huddle Up! Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. Okay, and we are live. But you all know the drill. we got to let the stream breathe just for a couple of seconds here. And we're good. Welcome in, everybody, to the Huddle Up podcast presented, as always, by Mile High Huddle, powered by Overtime Media. I'm your host, Chad Jensen. And with me, as always, is my partner in crime, my fellow football priest. You all know him. Y'all love him. He is Zach Kelberman. Zach, we got a lot of talk. I mean, lots to talk about, because after Monday night, it was simply just the gut reaction. A lot has emerged since then that we're going to get to tonight. But the first thing I wanted to get your uh, thoughts and reaction to out of the gates is just what we've learned so far about the injury report. For those of you who might have missed it, real quick, AJ Bouye, he's going to go on. In fact, he did go on IR today, according to Mike Kliss. He's going to be on IR for at least three weeks because the new rules, whatnot, we'll get into that. And then Vic Fangio classified Philip Lindsay as basically day to day, but I think it's more of a week to week type thing. He's not doubtful quite yet for Sunday, but we'll see. And then Cortland Sutton, Mike Kliss didn't sound too, uh, listening to him today, too optimistic that he could play. But it sounds like K.J. Hamler, he's going to be back in the saddle. So that's kind of the lay of the land. Your reaction to losing Bouye, though, for sure, for three weeks. It sucks. Uh, Fortunately, it could have been worse. He could have, you know, broken his shoulder blade. He could have broken his collarbone. That's a long-term injury. Three weeks, he'll be back more than likely. And he played, and the encouraging thing is he played really well, though, before he went down. It's a bittersweet thing. It sucks losing him, but at least it's encouraging knowing the Broncos are getting that old Boye, not the Boye we saw last year. They're going to have to step up. I'm glad they promoted Devontae Bosby from the practice squad. He should have never been on the practice squad in the first place, but... I'm glad he's back on the active roster now. And I think as a whole, they can make something with it. The good thing is Michael Ojemudia looked really good on Monday night. That was another um, silver lining from that game. So he'll step up. They have Bosby. They have Callahan, who played decently well. They can weather Boye's loss, obviously, but it just it sucks losing him because he was playing so well. Isaiah Irving, 
First of all, the first news we heard about Isaiah Irving last week came from Benjamin Albright, of course, of KOA, and he reported that he's going to be in town to go through the two, the three-stage testing process for the word that shall go unmentioned, and that he was going to be signed to the practice squad. But then, Zach, on Tuesday, while you were not, uh, you and I were off on the podcast, yep. Albright reported that he was actually going to be signed to the 53-man roster. Well, turns out today the Broncos announced he was signed to the practice squad. So they did bring him in to kind of bolster some rush linebacker depth. But if Albright heard that, Zach, that he was going to be signed to the 53, and then following the game, they opted not to do it, could that be just a result of the Broncos' sudden kind of roster juggling the new roster math with the injuries? Or do you think it's because they are planning on adding a more proven veteran, more you know known, proven name off the street, Terrell Suggs, Clay Matthews, Cameron White? Could be. I'm going to present, you know, door number three, though, and that's they like the play of Jerry Attachew, who, you know what? He's a hold the fort guy. I know he's not Von Miller, but he did play really well, obviously better than Bradley Chubb and better better than Malik Reed, better than I thought he would play. Um, The more likely thing here is that Irving is not a starter. He's a special teams guy, a depth piece. He's he's really not a full-time player. He's just a guy that Vic Fangio knew, and he's a warm body to have an outside linebacker. They still, obviously, they showed their hand, Chad. They tried to sign Clay Matthews. They tried to sign Cameron Wake reportedly. Didn't work out. They do want a veteran guy in the building, but I don't think who they brought in to the practice squad is anyone that's going to be the guy they're looking for. Really quick. Now, tonight we're excited because it is the latest installment of our Superstar Series. We have Mr. Boggins. We know him as Marcus. We're going to bring him on here in just a few minutes. We got a couple more topics to grab real quick. And then, of course, some matters of business that we're going to introduce you to Marcus. So any questions you have for Mr. Boggins, as you guys know him as, get him in the chat stream, any super chats, get him in there and we will present them. John Buona Beast will be on the lookout and we'll present them to Marcus while he's with us. But we got here a good question, Zach, from Charlie Beagle, because first off, before I get to the question, we learned today from Fangio, it was his second presser, well, technically his third presser since that fateful series of decisions at the end of the Tennessee game, not to call timeout and all that stuff. Well, we learned today that, and he, he fell on the sword, to his credit, I guess. He fell on the sword yesterday saying, I made a mistake. I should have called timeout when, the, when Derrick Henry got to the 29-yard line, et cetera, et cetera. So he did accept accountability, take responsibility. But today he said, no, I'm not going to change anything that I do with regard to clock management. And this is a big departure because for fans who can think back, Mitch Tanney was the Broncos analytics guy. And this isn't just a guy that who was in charge of, you know, measuring how many quarterback hits or, you know, a pass rush percentage and all that stuff. His job was also in-game analytics. In other words, while the game is happening, when the Broncos would get into unique situational situations, <laughs> situational situations, there you go. Um, he would, he would, you know, run the numbers, look at the probabilities and, Buzz Fangio on the headset, tendering recommendations. Well, the Broncos let him go at the beginning of this year, and he's now signed elsewhere. He's gone. They don't have that guy in the booth. And Zach, today Fangio said he's not going to change what he's doing. It was just one little blip, a screw up. They're not going to change. And that kind of ties into here what Charlie Beagle's asking question. If Fangio calls the defense, because one of his excuses yesterday was the reason I didn't call timeout is I just was too lost in calling, figuring out what I was going to call next defensively. If Fangio calls the defense, which he does, what does the actual defensive coordinator, Ed Donatel, do, Zach? 
secondary. I mean, that's his bread and butter. He coaches the defensive backs. He helps with the game planning, the installation for the weekly opponents. Um, and he, I'm sure Vic Fangio bounces plays off him. I'm sure that Ed Donatel recommends plays to Fangio on game days on the sidelines. And Fangio has final say. It's kind of like the Fangio-Elway pairing. Fangio works with Elway, but Elway has final say. Donatel works with Fangio, but Fan- Fangio has final say on defensive calls. Donatello is like a defensive coordinator in title only. It's Fangio's show, but that's a guy he knew from Chicago. He's worked with uh, throughout his career for the most part in the last decade or so. He's familiar with, he trusts. It's always good having that guy. It was Joe Woods for Vance Joseph. That's another analogy that you can put it for Donatello and Fangio. Yeah, I think mostly he's a teacher. You know, he's a coach. He's a a guy that keeps the troops rocked and and rocking and rolling, ready to go. He's not necessarily the tactician on game day in the moment, although he, of course, contributes to the game plan and to some, you know, when they're going to put in this pressure package or when they're going to which which situations based on the opponent are they going to call this coverage? And, you know, those he, he affects that game plan aspect of the Broncos. But when the game is actually going and the chips are down, that's Vic Fangio. So it is kind of unique. It's kind of the similar way, you know, you, you would wonder the same back in the Shanahan Kubiak days. Shanahan was the head coach. He called the offensive plays, but they still have an offensive coordinator, and that was Gary Kubiak. So, you know, they do basically everything else in terms of coordinating the offense. There is more to coordinating an offense, I guess, Zach, than just calling the plays. Right. But uh, we do have a lot more we want to get to tonight, and a lot of it, of course, we are going to get, uh, get to it with Marcus. I want to remind everybody, tomorrow night, of course, is the Mile High Mailbag, but it's going to be a unique Mile High Mailbag because we're going to have on with us Mr. Jason Cole, who is the author of the brand new and somewhat controversial book on John Elway. It's called Elway, A Relentless Life. And I say controversial just because some of the things that it's not an authorized biography and some of the uh, anecdotes, some of the reports, what's up, Steve, that have come out of the book that, that he writes about have been disputed by Bronco insiders and we're going to get, especially as it relates to Tim Tebow. And so we're going to get to that with him tomorrow night. It's going to be a gas gang. You're not going to want to miss that particular huddle up podcast. Not to say that any of you ever miss the shows. We know you're the regulars and and we can count on you, but that one in particular. Yeah. Greg, you're welcome. My friend, happy, happy belated to, to mama Smith. All right, guys. Very nice shirt too. Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site, out in the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500. Or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC. We are professional grade. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, 
the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Indeed. We got to get Mr. Boggins on the show here in just one second. But first, we have to draw your attention to one of the sponsors of tonight's show. Gang, for all of your sports betting needs, make sure you head on over to sportsbetting.com. So many of you, of course, are located in the fine state of Colorado and sports betting gambling is now legal in the state of Colorado. So join today over at sportsbetting.com for a risk-free week of betting up to $500. Head on over to sportsbetting.com. All right, Zach, a couple quick things, then we're going to grab Marcus. Quick reminders, make sure you're following the podcast on Twitter, at HuddleUpPod, also at Mile High Huddle. You have those two accounts followed. You're not going to miss anything as it relates to the podcast or breaking Broncos news and analysis. Gentle reminder, gang, to head on over, and so many of you have, and we appreciate you, but head on over to HuddleUpPod.com and get your swag on. Get yourself one of these football priest hats. Get yourself a let them hate t-shirt like Zach's rocking right now or like we saw from Greg there just a few sure. moments ago. It's another way, you know, mugs, face masks, hoodies, little something for everybody. And there's merch for each and every podcast under the Mile High Huddle umbrella. It's another organic, great way that you can support what we're doing here at MHH. And if you're not in a position to do that, that's okay. Each one of you, though, can do these three things. Subscribe first and foremost, which is crucial, especially on YouTube. Like this video, also crucial if you're on Facebook or YouTube. And if you really love what Zach and I and and John and all the podcasts that we're bringing to you, this content on the daily, share it out there. Help Mile High Huddle, help the Huddle Up podcast continue to grow and reach new like-minded listeners just like you. And the one last thing, shout out to our Facebook supporters, the names here on the the, uh, ticker at the bottom. Much love to you guys. If you are one of our great community members uh, on Facebook, just go to facebook.com slash mile high huddle. You see the big blue button that says become a supporter. Click that. You can support what we're doing here. Goes a long way. We appreciate you. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Winning season returns at my bookie. Winning season means doubling your first deposit. Winning season means insane props, epic bonuses, and the craziest cross sport wagers. At my bookie, winning season means watching live sports and betting live sports all season long. Rejoice, because the NFL has returned. That means action-packed Sundays and huge cash prizes. Get in on the action, use promo code OVERTIME, and double your first deposit. New players get up to 1000 bucks in free play, which is designed to add more excitement to the sports you already love and the games that you bet. Bet with the best this NFL season for your chance to win big. Use promo code OVERTIME and double your first deposit. Your winning season begins today only at my bookie, and here's the best part. Overtime is going all in for our listeners. We're giving away 500 bucks cash to one lucky person who takes advantage of this offer. When you make your deposit, just take a screen grab of your MyBookie account and email it to overtime at advertisecast.com. That's overtime at advertisecast.com. 500 bucks given away at the end of September. All right, Zach, with that said, let us... Bring on Mr. Boggins. He, his real name is Marcus. There he is and in all his glory. Marcus, we're so stoked to have you on with us. And I want to remind those who might be either, whether you're with us live or if you're listening after the fact, for those of you who listen to the podcast after the fact as an edited and uploaded 
product on Apple Podcast or you know Spotify or wherever. The intro that you hear sometimes for Mile or for Huddle Up Podcast was created here by Marcus, and also the one that's been running for Mile High Insiders for basically the last two or three months was created by Marcus. Marcus, appreciate you joining us, my friend. How you doing? Good, sir. It's a little smoggy over here in the Pacific Northwest, but besides that, it's not too bad. Not too bad, all things considered. Indeed. Well, yeah, man. It's it's pretty hectic up there with, of course, all the wildfires that are that are going on in the Pacific North. Basically, the yeah. entire West is on fire to the point where we were just talking about this little anecdote I shared from a friend of mine who's currently in upstate New York. He said, man, the smoke from out West has actually gone all the way to New York. It's been that bad. Um, but you mentioned, of course, you're in this Pacific Northwest. You're in the fine state of Washington. That means you're not in the state of Colorado. And as you know, Broncos country is not a geographic uh, location. It is a state of being. And you are one of those fans that exemplifies that little catchphrase, for lack of a better term. So tell us how you became a Broncos fan, Marcus. And also tell us about this Broncos bar that you like uh, patronizing during the season or whenever. It happens to be in Seattle Seahawks territory. Yeah, so actually I uh, jumped on the bandwagon when I was about nine. Uh, I first started, uh, when I first started getting into football more, I was more of a basketball fan, but people at school kept talking about the Packers and how big the Packers were um, at that time. And they were just coming off their win against the Patriots in the Super Bowl. And then we jumped jumped to Super Bowl 32. My mom's coworker had a uh, Super Bowl party. It was my first Super Bowl party. Showed up there. Uh, she made the best wings you've ever had, and I still use that recipe to this day. Um, kind of stole the recipe. It's fine. Um, uh, and they actually were friends with the Schlereths. So uh, they were Broncos fans, and we watched that game, loved it, fell in love with Terrell Davis, mainly Rod Smith. Rod Smith was my guy who liked to comment on Instagram recently from me, and I was super stoked about that. And then the next year they kept going, and it just never looked back. I I guess, you know, you know where I'm going with this question. Before we kind of jump ahead to the present, let's take it back to, you know, your past with the Broncos. What is your favorite memory, your favorite era, your favorite time of being a Broncos fan? And conversely, what is your least favorite time? Um, man, favorite times. I, I I would probably say the Super Bowl Fifty was probably my favorite, one of my favorites, just because I didn't want to jinx anything, and I didn't say you can ask my friends. I didn't say a word that entire time because I was also in that house for the uh, Seahawks loss, which the house was com- completely full of Seahawks fan, and I was trying to be supportive of everybody and whatnot. And uh, one of my friends came up to me after the game and I was trying to make a good game and he took my hat and he threw it <laughs> and my Broncos hat. And I, I've never been like just straight eyed. And I was like, you go get my hat right now. <laughs> and so, <laughs> and so, and then jump to Super Bowl 50. I was just completely quiet the whole entire time. Just like, didn't want to jinx anything at all. And once they finally went out a one, I went outside and just screamed like a, like a little girl. I just was super excited. So that's my number one. Uh, bad times were probably anytime anybody ever came up to me about Tebow uh, during the Tebow era, when anybody would ever mention anything about Tebow, Oh, you're a Broncos fan. Oh, you jump on that bandwagon. And I was just like, you shut yeah. your mouth right yeah. now. Um, I always, I always didn't have, I didn't like, Tebow. Uh, he was, he was very sketchy to me. 
very sketchy, not off the field, <laughs> but yeah, uh, sure. on the, on the field, uh, he got really, his biggest praise moment was a slant. Like I, like <laughs> I just don't. <laughs> so, you know, it is what it is, but that's probably my least favorites besides this obvious, the Super Bowl to with the Seahawks. But a couple of quick, uh, super chats. We got Zeus McPeak himself you, jumping Steve. in. Appreciate you, my friend. He's saying, what's up, Mr. Boggins. And uh, appreciate you, Stu. Of course, my friend, your generosity, as always. We got Steve Baumgartner also who jumped in early to say, appreciate the super, Thank my you, friend. Also, I hear you're a pretty uh, formidable Madden player. So congrats to you on that, my friend. My chops on Madden have gone the way of the dodo. I just haven't had time in, in recent years to keep my skills up, if you will. But, Stephen, appreciate that support, my friend. On that topic, as Stephen says here, though, Marcus, he says, I'm still excited for the rest of the season. Now, the topic of the, tonight's podcast that we're going to get to a lot of this stuff after our segment with you, Zach and I will get into the reasons why fans need to – finding the silver line uh, linings and why fans need to take their finger off the panic button and just you know not c- cease jumping to conclusions. Steven is still excited for the rest of the season. There's been some manic, depressive kind of reactions on the social media accounts that we manage here at Mile High Huddle. How are you feeling about the Denver Broncos coming out of a game that, you know, they should have won? Let's face it. That was a game that should have gone in the standings as a dub. They snatched defeat from the jaws of victory. How are you feeling? What's your outlook for the Broncos coming out of that game? Um, I, I was pretty annoyed with the first game being a lot of the narrative was based on the kicker or Fangio's call when we had a lot of, a lot of opportunities to actually put that game away. Um, yes. Uh, I mean, we definitely have the injuries. That's definitely a thing. I mean, we don't want to make excuses. And I think Fangio is doing a great job working with what he has, like he did last year with all the injuries that we suffered. Uh, Our offense is averaged age 25 right now. We we haven't drafted well 2017 before that or prior to that. And then we've hit three years in a row. Uh, what to what I believe once Jerry Judy starts, you know, handling those balls, I'm sure Eric trickle is just like, he's just like, <laughs> man, I knew he's going to drop them. Uh, but I'm, I'm really excited. I like, I like Locke a lot. I haven't been this excited about a quarterback in a while. I see a lot of Matthew Stafford in him and I think that's his ceiling. Um, you know, maybe more. Uh, I just think Matthew Stafford was just not with a good organization. And I think that they didn't put necessarily all the, um, weapons around him that they they should have, and I think that Drew Lock has that as long as he progresses as far as just basic mechanics. He kind of gets. He, I know that his idol. I heard on a podcast that his idol is Aaron Rodgers, and that he's not afraid to. Uh, is my Chiefs friend by the way that just popped up. Um, awesome. <laughs> he uh, he would fade back a lot and uh, throw off the ball, and he he would um, just plan off his back foot and not get a lot of oomph into his throws and and he was kind of idolizing Aaron Rodgers. He's like, that's not something that I'm really going to change. I'm always going to do that kind of thing. And so that kind of worried me a little bit. And I uh, hopefully Shermer has kind of reined that in a bit so he can at least step in the up in the pocket sometimes. I feel like when he sees a shadow, he has a tendency to fade and throw. If he would have stepped up, I'm pretty sure he would have hit Deshaun last night or yeah. Monday. There were a few, quite a few plays actually, where if mm-hmm. he would have just stepped up in the pocket, climbed the ladder, as they say, and and he would have been able to throw a strike, but he fades back off that that back foot, and 
you know, sometimes he still makes phenomenal throws off the back foot like these talented uh, gunslingers can do, like Aaron Rodgers, like Patrick Mahomes. Drew Locke is one of those guys, but it's it's not going to go away. That's true. He's just got to kind of learn when – Yeah, he's got to be able to recognize more clearly, I think, Zach, when – Look, this is the time. The pocket is there. I'm going to climb the pocket. I'm going to stay put and make my read, make my throw. There's a place and a time to keep drifting back and trying to be improvisational, but it's it's you don't drift back and buy time for arm strength. You do it for accuracy. When you plant your foot forward and you drive up in the pocket, you're you're putting the ball in a better position. If you would have stepped up, he would have hit Deshaun, like Marcus said. It's yeah. all just it comes with experience, and he has to shake that. He plays that backyard style of football we all do every Thanksgiving with our friends and our families. Just you're out there, just throwing it around. That's what he lives and dies by, and he makes plays like that, like the touchdown pass to Fant. He also messes up like the misconnection with Deshaun Hamilton. So just inexperience being a young quarterback. All right, let's grab this question here from your friend Alex Wells for Mr. Boggins. What is the recipe for being competitive in the division this year or in the next few years? And, of course, this is couched within the uncomfortable knowledge that Patrick Mahomes isn't going anywhere for the next 12 years. Yeah, yeah, I was uh, pretty bummed out about that, and I kept texting this Alex Wells about every contract that they continued to sign, but I think that's when you pull in the right players that are able to um, put money semi-aside to better the organization to like backload a lot of those contracts, you can do stuff like that, and I think that the Broncos have done that, and I think that a lot of these players will be able to understand that and hopefully do the same. Um, I think that we have some of the best young talents in our division. I'm not scared of the Chargers, um, especially without Derwin, and um, they just lost uh, Drew Tranquil also. Um, the Raiders are the Raiders, and they're always forever inconsistent. Um, I'm not really scared of Henry Ruggs. I believed he was a wide receiver too coming out. And that was the point of us wanting him is that he would have been a great compliment to Cortland Sutton, but him as a number one, there is not a, is not a thing. Um, and so, but they do have their offensive and defensive line in the, um, in Las Vegas are very impressive. And I think that that's, um, semi one of our weaknesses. I think we looked good against the Titans this this uh, Monday, uh, we looked pretty good. Elijah got beat a couple times, but uh, oh, yeah. Bowles, Bowles, was, uh, Bowles was holding his own decently his against own. Cl- Clowney. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. In case you missed it, sports gambling has been legalized in the state of Colorado. Whether you're looking to place your first wager or you're a seasoned betting professional, sportsbetting.com is the place for you. With sharp odds, a huge range of lines, props, and futures, and backed by state-of-the-art data security and encryption, sportsbetting.com gives you all the tools you need to maximize your sports betting experience. Sportsbetting.com is a legal and licensed sportsbook in Colorado, so with a fresh slate of games coming up in the NFL this week, plus the NBA playoffs, plus college football, you name it, head on over to sportsbetting.com and get in on the action. Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site, out in the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500. Or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC. We are professional grade. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. 
Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Real quick, shout out to Jess <clears throat> jumping in on uh, Super Chat. Appreciate Thank it, my you. friend. Sorry, guys. I was just pissed Monday. I don't know what you're sorry for, though, my friend. I don't know. Maybe you're saying you weren't in the tr- in the street. We all were. Sure. It's all good. Yeah, everyone was a little salty that night. Uh, Jay Ritchie also jumping in. Appreciate you, my Thank friend. You, means a lot to us. He says, what's up, fellas? I just wanted to say I watched the gut reaction. I hear you. But I think we need to look at what Vic Fangio has brought to this team. We are prepared. We are competitive. He's long term. Guys, one thing to keep in mind, and, and Marcus, this is a topic that you can talk about, you know, address as well. Those gut reactions, they're a gut reaction. And a lot of times things are said that, you know, we don't necessarily regret by any stretch of the means of, uh, of the imagination, but things are, are very emotional. N- neither one of us said it's, and we've been seeing this a lot on social media, especially on Facebook for whatever reason. I've been seeing this a lot on MHH f- Facebook channels that, oh, fire Vic Fangio. The, the, you know, we've seen enough. He's not going to learn. First game of the year in his second year, we've seen enough. And by no means are Zach and I saying the Broncos are, need to or are going to no. move on from Vic Fangio. However, Zach, and I, I want you to address this, and then we'll serve it to Marcus. Please. Um, to not be alarmed by what you saw in that closing minute, though, I mean, let's face it, that was concerning no matter who, no matter what your opinion is of Vic Fangio long-term, that was concerning. Both things could be true. I mean, he's it's way too knee-jerk to say the Broncos need to even think about firing him just yet, but he also flubbed Monday night's game. He was the reason the Broncos lost. Both things are true there. And to the comment about the Broncos and how, what he's brought to the team, is the Pat Boland standard to be competitive and prepared every Sunday, or is the Pat Boland standard to win titles? Why should we settle for mediocrity year after year after year? The Broncos are a very talented roster, and all it takes is the coaching to mold that team. And the coaching, not the roster, was the difference in Monday night's game. So to just be competitive, to settle for 8-8 eight and eight or settle for 9-7 and seven and just be in the thick of things, I, that doesn't jive with me at all. I mean, he's, the, he's a better coach than Vance Joseph was, but is he better than Gary Kubiak? I don't, I don't think so. I think Gary Kubiak was a better coach. He was more experienced. He brought, he had a better roster, obviously. But you just, you, you see what guys are natural head coaches. And I thought going into this year, Vic Fangio had all the makings of that. Monday night's game, I'm still high on him. I'm still a Fangio fan. It just caused me to look at him a little different. Like maybe he's a little, still a little more green than I thought he was. What's your take, Marcus? Um, I think Fangio is pretty much a stubborn old bull and uh, he doesn't really want to not necessarily learn, but necessarily progress that direction. Like if someone's telling him to like, you need to be better at clock management when they, when they were asked, when he was asked in the press conference, if he would change anything, he was like, no, 
I wouldn't change anything. And that's just, I think, I think he was, that was just the Fangio coming out, just like a little attack back at him. Um, I think that he's a good coach. I think that if we uh, took away coaches based on their uh, clock management skills, Andy Reid would be gone a long time ago. Um, not that I'm necessarily comparing sure. him to Andy Reid, but I would say he might be the Andy Reid on defense because he did a lot with defense over the years, and he's done. Uh, he's been one of the best over the past whatever 30 years, um, including what he did last year with the Broncos defense, even with all the injuries. Um, now, do I think that he needs the necessary pieces around him? Yes, I think that's why he pulled in Shermer. I think Shermer is like, yes, I'll just handle the offense. And fans just like, fine, yeah, go do your thing. You handle offense, I'll handle defense. I think as long as he has that type, those type of people around him, um, they will continue to progress. Now, do I believe Shermer will really push the ball a lot, like with Drew and like advance this offense? I'm not quite sure, but you know that's to be seen so far. But I'm content with Fangio as long as we continue to have the right pieces around him. Kevin Peterson jumping in with a compliment here. Appreciate the super you, chat, Kevin. KP. He says, a wealth of knowledge. Very well spoken, Mr. Boggins. Doing great, brother. Of course, that's uh, much appreciated, my friend. All right, we uh, we only have a minute or two left to go here with you, wow. Marcus, because we got some things to get that's to amazing. tonight. Um, real quick, though, Pobby jumping oh, yeah. in off the top rope. Thank some serious so generosity. <clears throat> really appreciate that, Pobby. Much love to you. Wow. Hope you're doing well. And I hope you know what you mean to all of us. She says, yes. good to see you, Mr. Boggins. Love MHH. As always, go Broncos. Appreciate that. That's awesome. Um, all right. Before we cut you loose here tonight, Marcus, and we'll definitely want to get you back on the show. Excellent sound quality. By the way, guys, the mic that you see there, obviously, this is, this is a fellow that, who can make some intros for podcasts because he's a musician. He creates his own music and you know, if there's anything we can ever do to help you get some eyeballs on your music, Marcus, by all means, let us know. We'd love to support you and help you out in any way that we can. This, of course, coming from MHH and myself as a former, not former, I still play music, but not, it's not my number one thing, music. Semi-retired. Semi-retired. But what, uh, you know, in when, when we were in the off season, when we were in the summer, we were getting our superstars takes on the season, give us a bold prediction. In this case, we just want to know how you see week two unfolding as the Broncos got to take to the road, go to Heinz Field, play Big Ben, the Pittsburgh Steelers, and that formidable defensive line. Um, what is not great, Alex? Um, <laughs> I, I, I think our, they're a matchup nightmare for us, to be honest. I, they, they have a crazy front seven. I'm not too worried about their cornerbacks and what Steven Nelson and is Joe Hayden still, is he still playing? Probably that one. Um, and I don't even want to talk about Minka in the back there. Um, so I think that Minka will probably bait Drew into some stuff. Uh, their offense with our cornerback injuries, Ben knows what he's doing. He has weapons. Uh, their running game, I'm not afraid of Benny Schnell or whoever's starting right now. I do like the um, – what is it? What is his name? Not McLaughlin. The McFarland, the new rookie, yeah. um, he's pretty good. So we'll see if he's actually healthy enough to play. Um, but I think that passing attack is going to hurt us, and I think the, um, the rushers are definitely going to – uh, hurt us on the edge, especially on Elijah, Elijah's side. If he's li- lining up against TJ, good night. A lot of expect a lot of uh, screen passes. So, so are you are you predicting a loss then for this team? Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Unfortunately, <laughs> we might we might pull it back with uh, with Tampa, depending. 
on how well Tom Brady progresses with his new offense. But um, I think we're going to, but after that, I think we're going to be good for a while up until KC. And hopefully by that time we've gelled enough to take uh, KC before the break. And hopefully the fans can hang on. If this team does limp out to an 0-2 start, fans need to hang on for dear life. And we'll be here as your football priest to help you do that and exercise the demons and hopefully help give you some perspective. But Marcus, thanks for joining us, my friend, and giving us some time here tonight. Uh, again, I'm sorry that we had to kick you back a few days after the news to what happened with Vaughn that night, but it's been great getting a chance to talk with you. Excellent insights. Make sure you guys follow him. He's a great follow on Twitter, as you can see here on the screen, at Mr. Underscore Boggins. Marcus, we're going to get you back on the show. <clears throat> as Now that we're in the thick of things with the season, we're not 100% sure exactly what our rotation and schedule is going to be on having these superstar segments. They will continue, but they might be a little bit more sporadic as, as we march through the season, but we definitely want to get you back on. So, uh, but thanks for joining us tonight, my friend. Good job. Of course. Thanks for having me guys. Go Broncos. This is the overtime podcast network. Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck. That's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site out in the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500, or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at woodhousebuickgmc.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC, we are professional grade. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promotes surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. All right, my friend. And uh, that's him. That's Marcus. Mr. Boggins, there he goes. Great guy. Very engaged. Obviously, as you guys can tell, very knowledgeable, very articulate in his yes. uh, analysis and his takes. And when I say engaged, you know, he DMs on social media. We have side conversations that exist outside of, you know, the podcast or in the comment section. So great guy. And Zach, before we uh, get to our main topics, I just want to catch up on a few of our great superstars that are that have stacked up here, including Mr. Harry Burgos is jumping in. Really appreciate the super. Thank you, Harry. He says, uh, amazed we were still in it. Who expects to have a chance with four pro bowlers injured, Miller, Sutton, Lindsey, and Bouye out, yet was still within reach? Hashtag perspective. Hashtag Fangio. Um, Sucks at the two-minute drill. <laughs> uh-huh. yes. yes, indeed. That was clever. You know, Zach, it's true. The Broncos going into this year had, had pro bowlers or players who had been to at least one pro bowl in short supply. Before the injury bug struck, it was Vaughn Miller on defense. It's Jarrell Casey. It's A.J. Bouye. Those are your three defensive guys who've been to a Pro Bowl. Offensively, it's Cortland Sutton. It's Philip Lindsay, 
and the newly acquired Melvin Gordon, four of those dudes down. And, you know, that's if, if you can't, if I mean, you're going to feel the steam from that. No ifs, ands, or, or buts about it. So I think that Harry makes a, a salient point there that for them to still be in it at the end, and even though it took Fangio basically collapsing and, and melting down at the end, you know, that's that should be another thing that's encouraging. We're going to get to some other encouraging points here in just a minute, but that that in and of itself is one of them. Yeah, the injuries are definitely uh, a hardship for the Broncos. They were dealt a crappy hand. And I think Nick said it best on yesterday's podcast. He said the Broncos lost their best player on offense or the best player on defense. And when you think about it like that, it's tough for any team to win when that circumstance unfolds. I will say you can play it both ways, though. The Titans were without some starting players like uh, Adoree Jackson. And also, they gifted Denver 10 points. They missed three field goals and an extra point. So it kind of works both ways. They were in the ball game, Denver, and they hung in there despite the injuries. But both teams can play the what-if card, I think. We got a question from one of our Facebook supporters, Steve Griffith. Appreciate you, Steve. Rocking the Let Him Hit t-shirt like a boss. He says, uh, what are your thoughts on Justin Simmons' performance Monday night? Seemed like he was lackluster. Yes, I know. It's game one. Didn't seem like it. He was. He was. That night, uh, in the gut reaction, we let it be clear that we were disappointed in Justin Simmons, who was often out of position and kind of living up to his old reputation of Justin almost since <laughs> always a day late dollar short, the play gets made in front of him or he misses a tackle. I don't recall any missed tackles, but just late in coverage, late getting there, not just didn't play well. And in one last thing in Eric trickles grades, which trickles grades, I trust more than pro football focuses grades in terms of the system that he uses in measuring player performance on a game in game out basis. He gave Justin Simmons one of the, I think it was his worst grade of one of the worst. Yeah, it was his worst graded player on the night. Let me just quote this and I'll throw it over to you. Quote, this is from Trickle. The star safety playing on the franchise tag had a terrible start to his season. Simmons' performance was one of a replacement safety, not at all up to the level we've come to expect from him. He was out of position consistently, wasn't reading the quarterback like normal. It could have been a case where the coaches changed his role for the game because of Henry, but whatever it was, it was a game that showed not extending him was the right choice. Simmons has to bounce back from it. He was the worst graded player for the Broncos. Your thoughts, Zach? Yeah, Justin, just short Simmons. He he really was lackluster, and I agree with Eric there. He was replacement level, and especially when I know they're different positions when, but Aseng Bassi and uh, Michael Ojemudia look better than you do on the football field in their first game ever. That's kind of a cause for concern. He was nowhere near even a top five safety, let alone the $15 million price tag. He's floating the Broncos. It's too early, though. Everyone has a bad game. Locke is going to have a game where he throws three picks. No one's going to call for his replacement in that. Simmons is still a damn fine safety. He's still one of the best players on this defense. They need him with Vaughn out. I'm not worried about Justin, though it was like everything else. I mean, most things other in that game, though, Chad, they were lackluster. The coaching, uh, some of the defensive calls, some of the offensive calls, it was just a sloppy, kind of bad first game in some ways. And uh, Justin Simmons' performance kind of falls on that side of the, uh, the Venn diagram. Well said. Our friend Dale out in Paradise in Hawaii you, jumping Dale. in wow. with a very Thank generous super. Love you, Dale. Appreciate you, my friend. Hope you got my email too, by the way, giving you a little perspective background on some, some things. Anyway, really appreciate you, Dale. He says, during the broadcast, they said Noah Fant was upset that Albert O was not dressed out. I agree. He is a big threat in the seam and over the middle, a red zone killer. Perhaps he needs to up his special teams play, but he needs to be on the field 
even if situational. Hashtag state of being. Appreciate that, Dale. Let's talk about it real quick, and then we'll get to our silver linings. So the 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 aspect of how many – yes, smash the like button, gang – of how many tight ends to dress. All right, let's talk about that because any – if you've ever talked to an NFL tight end, you will learn that that third – if you're going to carry or, or dress four tight ends, three or four, usually it's three, that third guy has to be able to play special teams, has to contribute there, has to have special teams acumen. Otherwise, you're missing a component. You're drawing it from somewhere else. And the, I mean, just from the roster math component – that guy has to be able to contribute. In the case of Albert Okuwebunum, did I say it right? I hope I did. I think I'm getting it down. Regardless, they already have a – you saw it in the first touchdown the Broncos scored. They have Noah Fant, who is in and of it himself, he's just a phenomenal red zone, big body. We're seeing him start to learn how to use that body to box out, by the way, which we didn't really see a lot of last year, so that's good. But I'm – look, you, you got to give it up. Whatever If you bring Albert O on – He's not probably going to be able to impact special teams. So where does that impact come from elsewhere? And, you know, Jake Butt, who's not a great blocker, but at least, you know, he can do – he can wear multiple hats. But your thoughts on going to, to Hinesfield this week, should Alberto be dressed? Uh, yeah, they need, they're going to need all hands on deck on offense. It's going to be a shootout more than likely if they have any chance at this game. The Steelers offense is going to be tough against this defense. Um, but Noah fan should be mad that he wasn't targeted in the second half, except for one time on the final drive. Instead of force-feeding other tight ends like useless Nick Van Ed and useless Jake Butt, let's give Vant the football. He was your leading receiver in the first half, and he had a goose egg in the second half. That's my bigger thing. Instead of trying to get two, three, four people involved, let's focus on the one guy who's your leading receiver. Let's get that working before we introduce a raw rookie into the mix. That's kind of where I stand with that. All right, one last super chat, then we'll get to our silver linings here. Richard's been waiting patiently. Appreciate you, my friend. Thank you, Richard. He says, hey, guys, what's it going to take to get DeMar Dotson in there at right tackle? Wilkinson about got uh, Elijah Wilkinson about got Drew decapitated a couple times on Monday night, looked outmatched. And, Zach, you and I watched that game together, the second Looked. half especially. And both of us, on that one shot he took, locked from Landry, where we weren't sure if he had hit his helmet because after he was going, yeah, like shaking this, his, hand. his hand. That was a result of Wilkinson simply not being fast enough to, to in his kick slide to cut off Landry's angle to the quarterback. This is a salient question. We posed it basically in one form or another Monday night in the gut reaction. What's your answer for Richard? We've been posing this question since they signed Demar Dotson. Elijah Wilkinson is not a natural tackle, and it's going to take Drew Locke either getting hurried consistently or getting injured for them to get Wilkinson out of the game. For whatever reason, Munchak and his coaching staff and Pat Shermer, they just have a, an affinity for Elijah Wilkinson. I don't understand why. Now that Garrett Bowles is even playing well, Cushenberry looked good, Glasgow looked good. He is by far and away, even more so than he was a month ago, Elijah Wilkinson, the weakest link, the black sheep of this offensive line. He needs to be out of the football game. I think it will happen this week, though. For better or for worse, they're going to get hurried. Drew Locke and the Broncos offense by T.J. Watt. Great point that Boggins made. They're gonna, it's going to bring a, a pretty feisty pass rush Drew Locke's way. And if he's hurried enough or if he gets one more of these shots to his hand, Chad, I think that's it mercifully for Elijah Wilkinson. All right, let's get to the main content topic of, of tonight's podcast, silver linings. All right. Let's start with, we'll, we'll, since it was my idea, I'll start out. All right. Here's, here are the three reasons I have, and there's a written article that accompanies this with some deep dive analysis. You guys can check out that's live right now at milehighhuddle.com. But three 
silver linings that jump out to me. Zach's got three as well. But first, I want to get your take on this on this first one, Zach. And that is basically that the offense we saw, even without number one wide receiver and Pro Bowler Cortland Sutton, and even without Philip Lenz, uh, Lindsay for second half, has talent in spades. This is a team that is still figuring out offensively what its identity is going to be, how to make the most of all the different offensive pieces that they have. And they were also missing KJ Hamler, who let's not forget before he got hurt. I mean, Zach and I were pumping the brakes a little bit on everyone's expectations for a thousand yard season, but we're talking about a guy who could come in and haul in, you know, 35, 40 passes, you know, five, 600 yards, something like that. A few big play type touchdowns. They didn't have him either in week one. He should be back this week. We don't know what's going to happen with Lindsey. Sutton's still a little bit in the wind as well. But when all those pieces finally get on the field, I mean, just look at Jerry Judy, who, you know, he had those two bad drops. And he today talked about it. The Broncos made him available. We got a chance to talk to him. And, Zach, I didn't really love his uh, tonality in that particular presser. He was very short, dismissive, didn't want to talk really much about the drops. But nevertheless, they were bad. They happened. Eric Trickle in his grades article, in fact, reminded me that Jerry Judy, in fact, because I was saying this, Zach, on on Monday night, that I wasn't aware of Judy having, you know, bad drop issues on a scouting report coming out of college. And maybe it's in his, his, let me just check this real quick. No, it's not in his grades. I don't remember where I read it from him, but he did have a significant drop rate in college. And so it is something that we're going to have to keep an eye on. So that's, that's, that's my bad. But as, as bad as it was, Zach, we talked about it when we were watching live, just watching the replays of the separation he was creating as a route runner, yes. seeing what Noah Fant was doing uh, in that first half. It wasn't his fault that the team, from a schematic game plan perspective, went completely away from him. Some of that had to do with game flow because there were too many three and outs, but they didn't really look his way in any of those three and out situations, which is one of the reasons they, of course, went three and out. But the offensive talent is there, and, and that kind of leads also to point two, which is the defense is going to keep – these these games close, all right? They're going to keep opponents down. They're not necessarily going to keep everyone to 14, 15, 16, 17 points, Zach, but they're going to keep it within striking distance. So once this offense, with all its collection of parts, comes together, and I think it will happen soon, sooner than later, I should say. All right, I'm not necessarily predicting it next week, but once they get all these pieces together, man, the offense is undeniable, and that defense is going to continue to smother people. Yeah, Uh you're looking at a, an unfinished product right now when you see the 2020 Broncos, a very inexperienced product. And I thought, actually, after the Dallas Cowboys game, what Mike McCarthy said, he was asked about his, the team's performance, and he said, we look like a team that's in week one. And I thought that was a very salient point that for everyone, and this is something I'm going to touch on in my point, for everyone across the league landscape right now, it's sloppy, it's very, it's uncharted territory right now. And this is all a weird, unique season, and everyone is going to be slow out of the gates, or most teams are going to be slow out of the gates, and they're going to face injuries, and their offense is going to look good, defense is going to look good. When they come together mid-season or so, week eight, week 10, especially the Broncos, a young team, it takes a while. Locke is still learning what to do back there at quarterback. The defense is still getting healthier. Once these pieces... Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site, out on the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500. Or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC. We are professional grade. 
Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. This do come together and the whole recipe marinates together with or without Von Miller. They're going to be a much more solid, consistent, I would say reliable team where you can expect them to score, let's say, 22 points a game and only surrender about 16 points a game. I definitely agree with that, Chad. You got to remember, this is Pat uh, Shermer, his first game. Colin, with this new collection, there was no preseason dress rehearsals. There was no OTAs. This was... I mean, this that was their dress rehearsal, only it wasn't a rehearsal. Right. Go time, you know, this right. counts. So, guys, take some confidence in the depth of talent that John Elway has finally assembled on that side of the ball. The Broncos invested and committed serious team resources and assets onto that side of the ball. Take some confidence in that. It's going to take a little time to all come together, but it will come together. Last point here that I didn't mention is, and we kind of made light of this, like, oh, we're grasping at straws because of how bad, you know, the, the – the taste in our mouths was coming out of uh, Monday night, but I really do think it's something to celebrate that Bradley Chubb and Bryce Callahan, they were there week one. They played the game. They didn't play. Neither one of them played hundred percent snaps. Although I think Callahan played, played pretty close to it, but nevertheless, they started the game. They finished the game. And especially with what you saw happen with Bouye. I mean, Bouye came here with some injury concerns on his NFL jacket and resume. Right. We had to worry about, and it sucks that it came out in the wash literally right out of the gates, 28 snaps into his Broncos career. But that's how quickly, you know, the injury bug can step in and screw up the best laid plans of every GM and head coach in the National Football League. So take some encouragement from the fact that Chubb, even though he really didn't affect the passer much, maybe a little bit early on, but he lost steam quite quickly. However, he finished the game. Callahan finished the game. I think as these two continue to build on the confidence they got coming out of week one, Zach, that you're going to start seeing those impact plays from both guys. And it could happen as soon as week two. So take some encouragement that, look, yes, Vaughn went down. Yes, Bouye went down. But you've got Chubb and Callahan, who <clears throat> I do categorize as Pro Bowl level, Pro Bowl level talent. They just got to continue to to build on that. It's more of a confidence in their physical, you know, in their physical right. well-being and their bodies. Yeah, and their bodies. So then they and they got, trust me on this, they had a huge boost just from that first game, getting it under their belt, going, All right, I'm back. And yes. I think from here on that, in that aspect, Zach, it'll be downhill. Very well said. Yeah. And it's something I touched on on the halftime stream we did and also the post-game reaction podcast. It was obvious that Bradley Chubb did not trust his body just yet. And I don't blame him for being tentative or apprehensive about the way he steps right now. He he tweaked his knee during that scrimmage, Chad. He saw Von Miller step wrong. He was lost for the year for the for you know more than likely. It happens in the NFL. The good thing is though, 
if Chubb, you know, was injured in the scrimmage and he played the entire game for the most part, came out uninjured, that's a huge win for him. He's not the Chubb we saw in 2018, but the longer he stays healthy and gets that confidence back, uh, we will see the Bradley Chubb of 2018 sooner rather than later. And for Callahan, at least he proved he's a real person. It was <laughs> nice to see him on a football field, Chad, yeah. earning some of that $7 million he's making every season. All right, let's get to your three silver linings for fans yeah. to focus on here. Drop some knowledge on us. Well, I mean, obviously, it's week one, guys. There's there's at least 15 other games left to be played. I, I mean, look at the uh, Philadelphia Eagles. They lost a, a bad game to the, the Washington football team. We all expected that. No, no one expected that to happen. So it's still week one. These things are going to happen. A long, long 15 weeks is a long time from now. A lot can change. Three months is a long time. And things being fluid everywhere, look at Pittsburgh. They are banged up. There's there's so many injuries around the NFL, it's going to level the playing field where a team like the Broncos can play a team like the Saints, who just lost Michael Thomas, or a team like the uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers. James Conner is more than likely out for the game. Juju Smith-Schuster was a, did not practice today. They lost the right tackle for the year. Their right guard is probably out for this game. That's a, a lot of injuries for one side of the ball as well. That can help level the playing field and make things more competitive, and you never know. The Broncos aren't the the Bengals of last year, the Dolphins of last year. They're a really talented football team, and with some better coaching in certain situations, they can spring some upsets. So long season ahead, uh, a lot of things can change. And look at the Giants, Chad, in 2007. I bring up this comparison a lot, but they were being left for dead up until, what, the last month of the season? They went on a run, they got hot at the right time, and they scored one of the most improbable upsets in the history of the Super Bowl, right up there with SB50. Long season ahead, guys. Don't panic. The collection of talent, Chad, you, we, we mentioned this already. They are on both sides of the ball, offense and defense. You hit it on the nail. Elway has drafted really, really well from 2018 on. And he's built the nucleus of this football team from the inside out on defense first. And then on offense, you can tell um, it was all about Drew Locke this offseason. The most important player, though, of all the talented pieces they have, though, is the quarterback. And he showed... A lot of promise on Monday night. I'm not excusing his overthrows. I'm not excusing his drifting or his flaws. He still has a long way to go, but he looks a lot more like a franchise quarterback than Trevor Simeon ever did, Brock Osweiler ever did, Case Keenum ever did, Joe Flacco ever did. You have a lot of confidence and upside in this kid, and if the Broncos manage him correctly, you have the most important position in all of sports solved for the next 8 to 10 years. Drew Locke is a very promising quarterback, and the Broncos are in good hands as long as he's coached well, which is a kind of a murky thing right now. That, so it's a collection of talent that goes without saying. And lastly, I just kind of touched on this locks development. Win or lose this season, I'm not giving up on a playoff year. I think it could be a 9-10 win playoff team for the Broncos still, despite that loss. Regardless, though, Drew Locke's development this season as a first-time full-year starter is the most important aspect of anything else. Him, the way he shaped for 2020 can pay dividends in 2021, 22, 23, 24, 25, 26, 27, and so on. He is the most important aspect of this team. And it's encouraging, at least, that the Broncos spent months, the entire offseason, building around Drew Locke. They think he can be the guy. They put him in a position to succeed. And when that talent gels, which it will, when the offensive line and the tight ends and the running backs and the coaches pull their head from their you-know-wheres, This quarterback can be really something, but the most important thing is that he gets a chance to develop. He goes through the lumps, he goes through the highs, he goes through the lows. The typical roller coaster of every young quarterback, 
regardless, he has to be on it. It's a ride every quarterback has to take. And as long as he takes it this year, that's the promising aspect for the season, win or lose. Amen, brother. And I thought, honestly, it was the first game together with Shermer, first game with Mike Shula also on the sideline coaching him up. And I thought that Locke looked very natural in that scheme. Like it looks like the scheme is going to be a very good fit for him. They just got to iron out the kinks. They just got to smooth out the wrinkles. And that'll come with additional reps, additional you know games against outside opponents. So give them that time. And as you said, Broncos got to continue to support Locke and have patience in terms of letting him take those lumps, let him navigate the trial and, uh, and error learning curve. And he's he is good enough already as a quarterback, and he has enough talent around him as a quarterback that the Broncos and the defense should be able to win more games than they lose as he navigates that trial and error. And once it all clicks completely this year, and I think it'll happen this year, as Zach yeah. said, it's a long season, 15 games to go. So keep your chin up, gang. Really, with all the negativity and and just – it was just bad, just darkness on social media from Broncos fans, we felt like we needed to bring you bring you some perspective. So, Zach, we're sitting here at the 50-minute mark. Let's get to our superstars who've been very patient before we get out of here for tonight. Our friend Discount Audio and Wheels. DA Dub jumping in. Thank Appreciate you. you, buddy. I know it's early, but we need to keep an eye on Vic's mistakes. He had a full season already, and little stuff adds up, and then becomes the normal, becomes culture. Chad, check your Instagram. Okay, I will check my Instagram, my friend. Um, Yeah, I mean, I'm not too worried about that snafu being culture, honestly. I think what's more emblematic of the culture Fangio has created was what you saw the next day, which is him taken to the podium, falling on the sword, accepting accountability, uh, taking responsibility, because they preach that every single day in the locker room, coaches to the players, players to each other. And if the head coach, players recognize that, what the heck, why didn't he call timeout? They all knew it. And for him to take that, Zach, and say, look, it was on me. Do it in a public manner. I'm sure he did it internally as well. That was on me, gang. I, I came up short. That's more, I think, emblematic of the culture Fangio is trying to build in Denver. But it's not very encouraging when it, as it relates to death by inches because that right. was an inches that's, game. And unfortunately, you know, when someone falls on the sword, what does it lead to, right? It, it was death by inches. So anyway, your thoughts. That's my point. It's He's preaching all this, this no BS, this tough guy routine, the death by inches, and he's the one who came up short in, in crunch time. He's the one whose defense let the Titans march down the field. He's the one who didn't call a timeout, Chad. So it, it, it reminds me of when the Jets hired Eric Mangini as their head coach. That was Bill Belichick's right-hand man. And as soon as Eric Mangini got to New York, he he wanted to be and tried to be exactly like Bill Belichick. And the players tuned him out. They had a playoff season in 06. They tuned him out the year after that, and it was a wrap for Eric Mangini. If you don't back up your talk, if you don't prove it with wins, you're going to lose the locker room. I agree with the comment, and I said this on, on Monday night. These are rookie Glaring mistakes from Vic Fangio, who's had 40 years of coaching experience, and he's had a full season as a head coach under his belt already. You don't need experience either way to know when to call a timeout in the last minute and a half of the game. Peewee coaches know that, Chad. 12-year-olds on Madden know that. You and I know that. It's common sense. So I don't excuse Fangio for that, nor do I give him credit for falling on the sword when that's literally the first line of his job description. And is if he doesn't start backing up his talk and what he's preaching, the players are going to just say, forget this. That's true. I mean, that is the risk of preaching death by inches and then continually dying by inches. That is the risk that that he's got to turn the ship around. 
But again, the defense itself played good enough to win that game. They kept Derrick Henry in check. Yes, he got over 100 yards, but it took 31 carries. It was the lowest yards per carry he posted in the game since the last time they played the Broncos week six last year. So I'm with you on that. But I think the way that the team turned the corner last year, the final eight games of the of the season, I think the players really started to say, okay, yeah, we can buy into this. So for this to happen in game one, it's really unfortunate, but there's still plenty of time left for Fangio himself and the team to bounce back. Aaron Dickerson jumping in on, on uh, Super Chat. Appreciate that, my friend. And then his question is, what's your guys' take on the Isaiah Irving signing? We touched on it at the beginning of the show, Zach, but we basically view him as, as a – ex-Fangio acolyte that was signed strictly for depth. There might be some upside there, but it's not upside. If the Broncos have to try and rely on his upside as an impactful right. you know, component <laughs> this year in any way, shape, or form, then we're really talking about a doomed season. Yeah, he's a camp body in the regular season, if there is such a thing in such a weird, unique uh, 2020 campaign. He's uh, I, I guess it's good he knows Fangio, and if Fangio vouched for him, it's worth taking a shot, but he's a special teams developmental piece right now. He's literally just a warm body to have on, on the, on the roster. Yeah. The queen of MHH jumping in, showing some love, Christy, we appreciate you. And of course she's rocking the MA or the uh, huddle up pod hoodie that is on her YouTube profile pic. We really appreciate you. And she's just sending out some love hashtag Broncos country. And I know I can see it here. She's got another one. We're going to get to here in just one second. Um, thank you, Christy. Much love to you. And congrats on your new podcast, by the way, uh, buck the fuffs, man, I could really get myself in trouble saying that one. <laughs> 55 jumping in. Appreciate you. Thank you. He says, uh, and by the way, if you're one of our newer Super Chat superstars, make sure you reach out on Twitter, connect with Zach and I, so that we can shout you out after each and every podcast. But he says, Zach, the line, the O-line, except for Wilkinson, looked solid. I was really impressed by Cushionberry. The muffed snaps were Drew having young QB moments. Yes. And that's true. Drew Locke, in fact, said, yeah, those were my fault. Actually, that wasn't Lloyd's fault. Those were both my fault. Um, I think... You know, again, this is why I don't trust PFF grades. Uh, there, a lot of their advanced analytics I take to the bank because they're simply measuring what happened. They're not measuring; they're keeping track of what happened. They're they're tallying what happened. Whereas their grades, of course, are very arbitrary. They're all based on opinion. They're all based on whatever arbitrary system they created, and they listed Dalton Reisner as one of the highest graded players on the team mm. just upon first viewing Zach. Neither one of us know. thought he played that well. He got trucked no. by by their D line over there. Yeah. And yet PFF, you know, was was singing his praises. I think he's gonna really take that to heart in terms of he knows he got his butt whooped way too much in that mm-hmm. game. And I think you're gonna see him have his dander up and ready to play that that Phil or uh, Pittsburgh defensive line. But yeah, Bowles good, Cushionberry good, uh Glasgow very good as advertised. Yes. The other two spots, they need to step it up. Not so much Reisner, but Wilkinson, scary. Reisner, you know, just step it up, dude. I'm not worried about Reisner, but yeah, he got kind of owned on a couple plays by Simmons and uh, Jadevian Clowney. I'm not worried about him, though. He's still going to have a, a Pro Bowl caliber season, if not better. Uh, Wilkinson's Wilkinson. We all know how we both feel about him, and most Broncos fans feel he's not. He, no, no business being on the football field. Other than that, though, Cushionberry, those those botched snaps, you know, it's going to happen. The, the biggest thing is chemistry chat between a center and a quarterback, especially a young center and a young quarterback. They didn't have a preseason to work that out, so they looked better as the game went on. And Cushionberry, he stood out in his first game. I was kind of – I wasn't worried about him, but he really popped to me. He really impressed me. So the Broncos have their long-term center, I think, in Cush. Yeah, that's that's a QB-center combination that could become a great one, kind of like Manning yes. and Jeff Saturday and Indy. 
um, BG, and because they're both young and they can grow together and they're both very good players. And it's going to be fun watching those two develop. Uh, BG, as we call him, jumping in on Super Chat. Really Thanks, appreciate Brian. that, my friend. He says, the most concerning part of the game versus the Titans was Fant was five for five on targets, 80-something yards in the first half, plus the touchdown. And we don't look at him one time in the second half. Actually, it was only once, though. He did get one additional target, and it was the in the final drive. Half, but it was incomplete. Uh, can someone please tell me why? If it's not broke, et cetera. Yeah, we're right there with you. It was a gross miscalculation. Now, what Fangio attributed it to, and this might have just been him off the cuff type thing, not not very much of not a very considered answer, but he basically chalked it up to look, it was just game flow in terms of we ended up having, I don't remember the exact number now off the top of my head, but X amount of three and outs in the third and fourth quarter. When you go three and out, you don't get a drive going. You can't get into a groove. You can't feed your playmaker, yada, yada, yada. That's not an excuse that I buy. You have to be smart enough, Zach, first and foremost, to feed your playmakers, but especially when you recognize they're hot, they're on a roll. You got to feed those guys, Zach. Maybe they wouldn't have gone three and out if they would have looked fans' way. I I mean, how do you not? It's the chicken and the egg. How do you not realize one thing leads to another? For fans, you're not to connect those dots. He is literally lying in his answer. It wasn't game flow. It was bad coaching and bad play calling on Pat Shermer's part to never look fans' way, despite him putting up almost 100 yards and a touchdown in the first half. He was beasting an elite defense like on Gronkowski levels, and you ignore him for the entire second half in a one-possession game. I can understand if it was a blowout. It was a one-possession game for most of the second half. You go away from your leading receiver, it's coaching, 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 coaching. But as I wrote today in that same Silver Linings article, you know, some of the one-liners and the maxims that we use in life, almost all of them apply to the game of football, and that is we tend to learn more from our, our mistakes than we do our successes. For, the, for Pat Shermer, for Vic Fangio, but this is more a Pat Shermer issue, obviously, what we're talking about with Fan. I think he's going to recognize quick that, hey, man, especially in games where, you know, I'm a little bit shorter on my offensive weapons with both Sutton and Lindsey and Hamler, you know, I got to feed the guy that is showing out, and that was Noah Fan. So I think you'll see a pronounced focus on trying to get Fan the ball in week two, especially if Sutton's a no-go. But then Pittsburgh is going to know that. You don't think their coaches are aware of that? They're going to make a concerted effort to overcompensate for not feeding Noah Fant against the Titans, and they're going to try to get him the ball now in Week 2? Regardless, though, if a player is working, if he has a connection that's just hot with a young quarterback like Locke, you don't go away from that. It's literally football 101, day one stuff. Jake Gerard jumping in. Appreciate you, my friend. He says, uh, thanks, guys, for going live during halftime. Well, we – Wanted to test it for what it's worth real quick to see what kind of response we get, if people were engaged, if you guys would dig it as kind of a short 12 to 15 minute bonus pod. And the early returns, Zach, were good. I think we'll, we'll yeah. doing that for, for now. He says, do you guys think you'll do it again? So, yes. Should we be worried how easily the Titans went down the field? Um, first and foremost, yes, we do plan on, Jake, continuing that uh, for the foreseeable. But here was the – here was the catch 22 the Broncos were in. This is why you saw Justin Simmons, uh, Alexander Johnson, Josie Jewell just kept biting on the play action because it's the reigning rushing champ. And they rode him all the way to the AFC title game last year. And the way, the, the reason they were able to do that, and the reason why teams didn't just go, all right, Derrick Henry, we'll just sell out, stuff the run. Now you're screwed was because 
Ryan Tannehill has finally become a good enough quarterback and an efficient enough and a wise enough quarterback to capitalize on play action, especially. And you guys saw that Monday night. He was deadly in the play action. And when you have a depleted secondary with your number one corner going down and then having to rely on two rookies playing their first NFL game, they're going to have some success. So other than, you know, they got to figure out middle of the field. That's what was killing them on Monday night, Zach. How about covering a tight end, especially in the red zone? I mean, these are, again, glaring mistakes that you've seen year after year after year, and they, they had some personnel issues. They had some injuries, yeah. But, you know, like you said, Chad, to, to, uh, defend the seams, defend the red zone, cover the middle of the field. Hopefully, Barron can come back for the defense, kind of maybe maybe try to cover a running back or tight end. I think it would help him out. But, uh, yeah, you got to be better in that aspect of defense. Smouse in the house. Our friend Zachary Z-Dub Designs jumping in. Good to Thank see you. you, my friend. Thank you. He says, still positive with this team. It'll mold nicely. Remember, no preseason, so it hurt everyone. Just stay positive. Hey, man, that's we're with you on that. Guys, you got to stay positive still. It, the season is young. Don't be jumping to conclusions. Uh, Jeff C. also jumping in. Appreciate you, you my friend. So consistent. Each and every podcast. We love you. He says, not to fire Fangio, but his cockiness on things that cost us games is irresponsible. Asked if he'll fix it. He's like, yeah, probably not acceptable. Uh, I don't know about maybe cockiness. I guess, you know, that's in the eye of the beholder. I view it more as an old coach set in his ways, stubborn. Yes. Um, you said stubborn earlier as well, Zach. And I think there's also a, a subconscious recognition that John Elway's on his last chance with regard to head coaches. So, as Fangio goes, so goes John Elway. There is no indication, though, that the Broncos are hitting a panic button or putting Vic Fangio on the hot seat anytime soon. He is there. He was their long-term hire. He got 2019. He's going to get all of 2020, and he's going to get all of 2021. So there's some confidence there in him knowing that you know, uh, you know the the tortoise, the the moral that comes from the tortoise that went the turtle, you know, the tortoise that wins the race. Steady as she goes. Let's not get too ahead of ourselves. I know what I'm doing. You know, been here before type idea. That's Fangio. And again, he's the grizzled old veteran guy. He's been coaching in the NFL for 40 years. And that is going to come out in how he presents and responds sometimes, I think, Zach, to media. Chad, you nailed that right on the head there. Yeah, it's exactly what it is. Is When you know you have job security, when you know you have tenure and you're kind of grandfathered in somewhere, you tend to take more chances and you tend to be more brash and bold than you otherwise might have been. He knows he's going to get all of this season. And he, now he has the built-in injury excuse of Von Miller and all the other players going down. He can say, I didn't have my best guy on offense. I lost Cortland Sutton. I lost Philip Lindsay. I'm breaking in Drew Locke. You know, it's a, it's a tough hand to be dealt in a unique year. So he knows he has job security. But in terms of his personality, I wouldn't say he's cocky. I would say definitely stubborn and very old school. Just everyone has that uncle in the family that's just very, just kind of a, uh, just an uppity kind of guy. And just, you know, he's always kind of angry. Kind of you know. stodgy. Yeah. Know. It's just, he kind of just exemplifies what a, you know, an old man kind of is in some ways. And that's what Fangio is. I mean, he's a very well-respected defensive mind. He's growing into his own as a head coach, but he knows, at least in the here and now, he's not going anywhere. And regardless if he wanted this job or not, if he wanted to be a head coach or not, he has it, and he's kind of locked into it. So that's why I think he's projecting that outwardly. Terry Randall, up north of the 49th parallel, one of the 
true exemplifiers of the hashtag state of being. Really appreciate the support, my friend. And he's rocking the Smouse, the Zachary Smouse designed Mile High Huddle. Let him Very hate cool. shirt. Love it, dude. Uh, wow. Massive, <clears throat> massive uh, super chat one. here from the, the, from queen. the queen of MHH jumping in. Thank wow. You. I'm trying to think if the nine, if the numbers, Zach, have some kind of some kind of significance as she is wont to do. But Christy, that just blows us away. Thank you so much, my friend. And she says, got to say thanks to my guys, staying up late, putting in work, hashtag Broncos country, hang in there. Really appreciate that, Christy. And, you know, Zach and I, we really didn't know what to expect that. I mean, we've been doing gut reactions, as you guys know, for a while now, including all of last season. But because it was a late game and the second of a Monday night doubleheader, we just didn't know what to expect. And Zach, Broncos country was out in force there. It, the whole entire night, it was around a thousand concurrent viewers on different social yeah. and it ended up being a massive podcast. So that told us, Hey, it's kind of the old, if you build it, they will come. We'll just make sure we're available when we say we're going to be available. And we know that our audience, our community is going to be there. Yeah. First of all, Christy, thank you so, so much. I was trying to think of the significance because she usually donates with uh, players, you know, in mind or what's going on at the time. But regardless, that's amazing. Thank you so, so much. Um, In terms of, you know, the podcast that we did, Chad, we were all unified and bonded by one common emotion. And that was anger after what we witnessed. So when you misery loves company, it's kind of true. We all kind of want to coalesce in one in one group and kind of get our exercise arguments too, Chad. I mean, we we do that in the gut reactions. We get our emotions out, and it's pure emotion. It's pure from the hip. It's not nothing analytical. We're not thinking about it. We're speaking from our hearts. And I think a lot of Broncos country resonates with that. And that's why they were out in full force. But we've been saying it for a while. Best fans in the world. Best listeners in the world. You guys are the greatest. Jay Richie jumping back in. Of course, it's Jay and Ariel. Good to see you. And thank, thank you, you. Thanks for the comments on Vic. Thoughts? Target Judy early and often. Jones had success last week. Let the pass set up the run. Well, the, my only concern there is let's see what happens with Philip Lindsay because I think Gordon's going to get a lot. I mean, he got a lot of work Monday night. Turned out to be 15 carries and three receptions. So 18 touches, but half of the game he was splitting time with Lindsey. And if Lindsey's a no-go, Zach, he's going to get carte blanche. I mean, a little support from Royce Freeman, but he's going to be the tip of the spear of, yeah. in the rushing attack. Maybe he's right, though. Maybe Jay and Ariel are right here because that front seven in Pittsburgh is so formidable. Maybe the way you get them on their heels a little bit and loosen them up is starting with a big strike or two through the air. I don't know. It's going to be really interesting to see what kind of game plan Shermer and Fangio cook up. I think the the Broncos' best chance of winning is to limit Big Ben in the offense, and the best chance to do that is keep him on the sideline. So on offense for the Broncos, establish a running game first and foremost. It sucks losing Phillip Lindsay, but Gordon did run hard in the second half, and I think they're going to use him more in the passing game to kind of justify that contract and make up for that fumble from last week. Also, use the run and set up the pass. you got to try to stretch out the, the Steelers' defense. You run the risk, though, when he drops back to pass lock of having Watt come after, you know, beating Eli Wilkinson. That's a great, tremendous, elite, stout uh, Steelers' defense. It's not going to be easy. A lot of street screens, quick hitters, get lock confidence. That starts with the running game, three-step drops, and then you uncork deep shots down the field. Hamler, Judy, hopefully Sutton, Fanson to be out there. They have the pieces to put up some points. But they got to limit Big Ben uh, too, and that also starts with the running game, Chad. All right, we are 
quite a bit over. I haven't really been paying attention to the time. So we got to really rapid fire our remaining superstars here. Uh, Kenneth Booker jumping in. Really appreciate Thank the you, support Kenneth. the last few days, Kenneth. He says, does Judy have a redemption game? I predict two touchdowns. I do think he does get some redemption, especially if if Sutton plays, because I think he just got stuck in his own head a little bit too much on those yeah. on those two drops, kind of feeling like he had to be – not only it was his first game, but kind of feeling like he had to be the man right. and make – you know try and turn not nothing into something, but try and you – know, in the NFL, part of being an effective wide receiver is kind of taking what the defense gives you. You got to haul in the pass, and you can't always turn that into a 35-yard catch and run. You know, first things first, haul that in. But when in your own mind you're thinking, I've got to be the man, Sutton's out, you know, we need some, you can end up pressing. And I think that's what you saw a little bit from Judy. So, yeah, I definitely see a redemption game. I, I'm just not quite ready to say two TDs, but I love the optimism, Kenneth. You know, I hate to say it, but if the Broncos are getting blown out and there's garbage time, I can see Jerry Judy having two touchdowns. Uh, regardless, though, you mentioned a great point. Having Sutton back or Hamler or preferably both will take so much pressure off Jerry Judy and allow him to play with more confidence. Just go out there and, and be yourself. You know, run your routes, do your thing as the second or third option in the passing game, not the number one option. I think he will have a touchdown. I'm a little hesitant to say two touchdowns, but he'll have a better game and he will make up for and atone for those drops from last week. All right. We got Kathy Lund jumping in, one of our superstars, also up in the Pacific Northwest. Really appreciate you, Kathy. She says, sorry if this has been answered. How long do we think Bouye will be on the shelf? Hashtag state of being. So he's, he's going on IR. He's on IR today, and he'll have to miss three weeks. He'll have to miss three games. So you can get him back for the New England game if he's healthy. Now, the thing to keep in mind is he separated his shoulder. And what actually keeps your shoulder in its socket and keeps it from separating are ligaments. And so they're saying he doesn't need surgery today, but I think he's eventually, Zach, going to need to get that, sh- that shoulder worked on. But Champ Bailey proved in 2005 right. that you can play at a really high level with a separated Harness. shoulder in week one, bounce back from it. Champ ended up having the best season of his career. So I think you just got to you know let him – get a little R&R for three weeks, and he should be back for the for the Patriots game. I mean, I would even wager to say if the Broncos had a playoff game in two weeks, boy, he would be able to play in that. It's mostly a pain tolerance issue. Uh, he can wear a harness. I think in three weeks he will be back. I don't see him being on the shelf for longer than that. But three is good just to make sure he's 100% and not risk further damage to that shoulder. But the Broncos, they got to get their number one cornerback back. If they want to contend this season, they need Boye sooner, yeah. not later. No doubt. Harry Burgos jumping back in. Thank you, Harry. Thank you, Harry. Appreciate that generosity. He says, for the Titans and Broncos fan, for the Titans and Broncos fans saying the only reason we were still in it was due to Goskowski's ineptitude. Let me remind you that Shelby Harris blocked one of those uh, field goals prior to halftime. Two games in a row. That's well. I don't know if he blocked one in Week 17, but he tipped that pass uh, on fourth down on the goal line from Derek Carr to beat the Raiders. Hold on to the win. So let, let's put it this way, though. Two of the three opening weeks that Shelby Harris has been a Bronco, he's, t- he's, he's blocked a field goal. And one of them was, you know, game winner against the Chargers his first year here. Yeah, you know, regardless, though, you can split hairs. I mean, the, the Titans still gifted Denver at the minimum a touchdown, seven points. So, you know, they, they did keep them in, and it was difference in the game. A three-point game was, you know, seven points. That's the difference. Our friend and superstar in this community, Duke Boynton, jumping in. Appreciate you, my Thank brother. You, he says, hashtag, the Broncos will be just fine. Zach, everyone just needs to 
pump the brakes on the panic, pump the brakes on the miasmic, you know, doom and gloom. 15 games to go. Let's go. Woosa. Woosa. Whoops, put that one back on, John. Sorry, I hit the wrong. Mike Evans, as consistent as the day is long and such a great member of this community. Yeah. Really appreciate you, Mike. Thank you, Mike. He says, uh, our inside linebacker play was better than expected. Agreed. I agree. Uh, we expected good from Alexander Johnson, but Josie Jewell outkicked the coverage that I expected for him here. Yep. Uh, how do you think they'll perform against the Steelers? I don't think there's any reason to to uh, worry, so to, so to speak. I think that it was encouraging enough to say, look, you know, we can expect that Josie Jewell is going to fit in very well in that Todd Davis role. I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, though. I want to, you know, I want to see him put a couple of games like that together. But Mark Barron, if he had, does end up playing this week, you know, he's still coming back from that hammy. And I think he was going to be, I don't think he was out there today in practice, if I'm not mistaken. But either way, if Barron goes, you know, maybe he can help a little bit on terms of the middle of the field problems the Broncos are having on play action. But I think you're going to see this team stuff the run. And that, you know, linebackers are a big reason for that. I mean, yeah, the inside linebackers, the strength is their run support. I mean, their their tackling ability. And the Steelers are without more than likely James Conner for this week. So they're going to stop Benny Snell. And the good thing is for Denver, Pittsburgh doesn't have an all-star tight end. I think it's Eric Ebron now. So he's he used to be, you know, he can be dangerous, but he's very inconsistent. So I think they can actually hang with him. And I'm with you, Chad. Josie Jewell had a much better game than I thought he was going to have last week. And getting Barron back would be a plus. I'm not worried about the run game from Pittsburgh. I'm worried about the passing game with Big Ben and Juju and Deontay. Uh, it's it's gonna it's gonna be tough to stop them without Boye, but they're gonna shut down the running game and the tight ends. I'm confident in that. John, do you have Aaron, JP, and Adam, and Dion? Um, if not, just let me know. I'll get them on the screen in the meantime. Um, let's grab Poppy who jumps back in. Really appreciate you. Thank you, Poppy. Uh, she says impressive. I think she's referring to. Well, what is she referring to? Number six. I'd be in, I'd be in I don't know. Either way, much love to you, Bobby. She says, go Broncos. And, uh, oh, okay. Yeah, she's talking about Sam Martin. Oh, Martin was money. Yes. Martin was money. Best player um, on Monday night. <laughs> one of, absolutely. And we <laughs> hate to have to, you know, hang our hat on the performance of a punter, but he definitely was one of the reasons the Broncos were able to hang in that game. So. Yeah, when you're suffering through Colby Wadman, Chad, anyone's look better, but he was a revelation for sure. Dion jumping in. Uh, really appreciate you, Dion. Thank he you, says, man. hey, guys, I lost my battle today, so I got to get to work. But everybody have a great night. Um, hashtag go Broncos. Hashtag like and subscribe. Amen. Hashtag MHH. Hashtag battle warrior out. I don't know what that means. You lost your battle today, so I got to go to work. But either way. Have a great day at work, my friend, and thanks for spending some time with us here tonight and uh, chipping in. Really means a lot. Hopefully see you tomorrow, too. Yes. Adam jumping in. Really good to see you in the stream, Adam. Thank you, Adam. He says, uh, hey, guys, love the show. Tough loss. We are a young team. I saw some promising things. It will come together. Appreciate that. And that's, you know, we echo that, man. We, there were There was, to me, from the player level, there was more to be encouraged about than there was to be discouraged. Yes, that, that's a very, very good point. Not so much from the coaching, but the, the personnel, the on-field performance. Absolutely, yes. It, it, there were a lot of positives there. All right, let me see here. I might have to reverse engineer Aaron and JP to get him in. No, we did get Aaron. So JP, let's grab JP, John, unless you 
I can do it the uh, reverse engineer unless you have him. But okay, I'll grab him real quick. Just give me one second, gang. I want to get JP on the screen here. He's got a good question. We've touched on it a little bit here. I mean, we've talked quite a bit about him, obviously, but he's got a good question. He says, really appreciate it, by the way, Thank JP. You, Hope you're keeping your skills up on the drum kit. He says, thoughts on how Locke did? I still think he was doing the best he could given the play calling. I'm still confident in him. What do you think? We're both still absolutely confident in Locke. Looks like a great fit for the offense. Made some big plays. Showed that mobility. We win elusiveness. We want to see him be a little more disciplined with his footwork. We want to see him be a little more disciplined with his not abandoning the pocket quite so so easily and quickly. Climb the ladder. Stay disciplined. Make your reads. Make your throws. Be more accurate. Because those two throws he missed, both of them, he was fading back. And both of them would have been touchdowns. And we're talking about a completely different game. But, Zach, this uh, you know pro football focus came out with their least amount, least number of 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 positively graded throws by a quarterback in week one. What, what even, Talk about a, a outfit that has to justify that they published a article just a week ago saying Drew Locke was the worst starting quarterback in the NFL. It sounds like a made up stat and they're just like exactly. making it up to bash Drew Locke. I, I really don't even care what more pro football focus says anymore. Uh, Locke, I'm going to give him a, a solid B minus in this game. I got to call what's right is right. I call a call a spade a spade here. He has to hit that throw to Deshaun Hamilton. He has to make that throw. Deshaun was open by about a yard. He beat Malcolm Butler, which is no easy task. He was open. That was a game defining play and Locke missed him by about two yards. He asked, like Chad said, step up in the pocket, stop drifting, be a little more disciplined with your footwork and trust your arm to make accurate throws, not just strong throws. But that touchdown to Fant, Chad, that play was gorgeous. That was a lot of Mahomesian improvisational ability, arm angles, arm strength, accuracy all on display. A lot of franchise quarterback traits, but also a lot of traits befitting a young quarterback. And keep in mind too, those two drops that Judy had, one was on third down and one was in crunch time in the four-minute offense. Either one of the that swung momentum against the Broncos. If the, both of those are made, Drew Locke is probably well over 250 yards passing. And then if Jake Butt doesn't drop one, you know, he's probably up into the 280. I, I agree with you. B minus because that's more than a passing grade. You just got to connect. And it comes through being more disciplined to the coaching you're receiving from Mike Shula. All right, one or two more, and then we got to get out of here again. Carson jumping in. Appreciate you, Carson. Make sure you reach out and connect with us on Twitter. Hey, guys, don't catch – I don't get to catch very many live pods because of work and school. I listen to every pod after the fact. Cool, man. Good to hear, brother. We're glad you were able to jump in here with us. He said uh, 72 looked much better on Monday. Amen. We talked about that immediately following the game and the gut reaction. And for those of you, you've probably seen the video on YouTube and and read Eric Trickle's grades piece – Bowles emerged based on the grades as Trickle's MVP for the Broncos in week one. As you guys know, he, he, he does grades every game, and then he reveals the MVP in a video. Bowles was the MVP, Zach. Credit where it's due. I've been the biggest Bowles hater around for three years now at least, and he looked really solid on against a really, really stout defense. That was a tough assignment going up against Clowney and Jeffrey Simmons in that front seven, and Bowles looked like – I hate dare say it. He looked like the first round tackle the Broncos thought they were getting. And if he can just be that level of consistent and reliable, he will get his second contract from the Broncos. I was very impressed with Garrett Bowles. I got to say. All right. Two more. And then we're out of here. Fly fish hunter jumping in. Good to see you. My friend, that is an impressive fish. That doesn't look like you can pull it out of a stream yet. It looks like you're next to a stream. That's too big for a stream. What is that dude? Appreciate you. He says, hang in there. Broncos fans. 
We're a young team and we will improve each week. Celebrate that we have Locke and not Flacco. Well said. Hashtag franchise guy. Hashtag state of being. Fly, uh, fly fish hunter. Make sure you reach out and connect with us on Twitter, by the way. Or even if we are already connected, make sure you let us know who you are because sometimes people have one handle on YouTube and a different one on Twitter and we can't connect those dots. And Dennis, of course, another one of our consistent as the day is long superstars. Appreciate you, Thank my you friend. He says, disappointed? Yes. Discouraged? No. Good way to Hashtag put Denver Broncos for life and state of being, baby, from Michigan. All right, Zach, that's got to do it for tonight, gang. Thanks to each and every one of you for spending some time with us here tonight. A mile high salute to our Super Chat superstars and our Facebook supporters. We love you guys. Really, as you know, you mean the world to us. And props to Marcus, a.k.a. Mr. Boggins. Impressive segment for him, dude. He dropped some knowledge. Very articulate. Very impressed. And I'm jealous of that microphone quality. Yeah, it's nice Mike. <laughs> trying to shame us, him and Stu, yeah. man. They're, they're freaking flexing on us. Jumps. Yep. All right, guys. Before we get out of here, make sure, quick reminder, follow on Twitter the podcast at Huddle Up Pod. Follow Mile High Huddle on Twitter. Really need to get more numbers at Mile High Huddle. Also, um, my partner, Zach Kelberman, at Kelberman NFL, myself, at Chad N. Jensen. And then before you X on out of here, like this video. You guys have no idea how much it helps us organically to fight the algorithmic robots. Okay, help us out. Make sure you like this video and really real share it up. <laughs> it is. It is. We're, uh, we're like Optimus Prime here, battling Decepticons. Okay? <laughs> All right, we got to get out of here, though. So, Zach, we'll, we'll uh, look forward to tomorrow night. And remember, Jason Cole, the author of the new Elway book, yeah. going to join us tomorrow night. We're stoked. We're geeked. It's going to be a gas. So uh, we'll look forward to seeing you then, bro. Of course, yeah. It's going to be fire. Favorite podcast of the weekend. Uh, bring your questions, guys. We'll be sure to answer as much as we can get to, and uh, we'll see you then. All right, guys, for Zach Kelberman, I'm Chad Jensen. We'll see you tomorrow night, 6 Mountain, 8 p.m. Eastern. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promotes surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.